0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. It's the lead play on in our, in our offense. Tell me tackle, we take the defensive energy over the attack, you drive down the first man who is inside. We
1: pull back and
2: come in. Take the first man outside the offense. No one should. Go right by this and
3: feel this If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he comes inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.
2: Up, guys, welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Tim, uh, live in Green Bay. Jacob will be joining us shortly, most likely, if he can get freed up. We'll see how that goes. But, Tim, how was your day, Buck? Oh, great
0: day! Great day in Green Bay. Beautiful fall day, man. Nice, feeling good, on. feeling happy. Look at this, look at this piece of uh, Green Bay Packer history right here.
2: No way, the fit, the railing fencing.
0: This is one, this is number 59 of 157 of the original stadium fencing
2: section. That is awesome, dude. Isn't dude, that I, great? Yeah. I've got a little piece of the metal from uh, Lambeau Field. When they did a renovation, they had some underpinning at the stadium.
1: Nice. I'm a sucker
2: for that stuff. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> Any piece of Lambeau, right? That's um, me too, man. All day. I might get in trouble for this, but the first time I went to Lambeau, did the stadium tour, um, walk out through the tunnel and that was one of the first things they said was do not pull any of the grass and I'm yep. Like, I'm oh, yeah and I, I you know reached down and was filling the grass and that woman turned her head and i said pluck <laughs> <laughs> Stuffed it in a camera roll still got it to this day i was such a weirdo back then dude i was so that's awesome just crazy about the franchise crazy about the history but uh yeah so I'm, i'll probably get banned from lambo now if that story's out there <laughs> that's the way it goes right that's a lot
0: i'm a sucker for that stuff too man it, Especially like any uh, game used memorabilia, game yeah. worn or anything, too. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. Living history of the game.
2: No so, doubt about uh, it. Shout man. out
0: to Mrs. Green. Thank you for the the wonderful uh, gift. That was amazing.
2: Yeah. And yeah, You know what that means, man. Every time you get a gift, the honey-do list grows a little bit more. That's, that's all right,
0: though. That, hey, that's all right. <laughs> you see the gift, right? Hey, I don't care. <laughs>
2: We were talking about that before, right? You know, before football season gets gets cranked up, it's like I'm I'm gonna build so much credit, just hammering stuff out around the house. That way, when football season starts, I'm like, hey, remember I did that? I got that done. I got that done. Get off my back. Yeah, the way it is. So, um, you got it. yeah. But we're spool. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's do this, man. We had a little bit of news break today. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, some people think it was a horrible signing. Other people believe that you know it's. I think it's bigger than it actually is. Uh, but James Robinson was signed to the Green Bay Packers practice squad. Okay, uh, Matt Schneidman here tweeted out: Packers signed running back James Robinson to the practice squad, not the active roster. They also signed cornerback Anthony Johnson, not safety Anthony Johnson Jr. to the practice squad, and release cornerback Keandre Thomas from the practice squad. So, a couple of different oh. things there, Tim um we'll we'll get to James Robinson in a minute let's talk about the latter first uh don't know much about Anthony Johnson the corner that was signed I do know uh with them releasing Keandre Thomas and then obviously signing Anthony Johnson um as corner it kind of kind of makes me think Jair's probably a little bit closer to being fully healthy um just because if he wasn't you would want a corner you don't expect Anthony Johnson to jump right in and contribute at the cornerback position. Keandre Thomas had a pretty good grab of the defense. You know, he's been here for uh, a few years now. So I don't see I, – I think a little bit reading between the lines there, Tim. Uh, cutting loose Keandre Thomas, who had that extra experience um, and someone you could possibly elevate off the practice squad, kind of gives me a little bit of reassurance that maybe uh, maybe Jair Alexander's fully healthy now. You know, what do you think about that?
0: I would agree and that might give us a little insight into Eric Stokes timeline as well um to talk about I mean
2: think about that it's a great point
0: yeah the amount of corners we just we want to have um and obviously we so we we've got another Anthony Johnson uh so that that won't confuse anybody um another guy in the secondary um my my guy's always been Anthony Johnson Jr. I'd like I'd like to see him see the field but um yeah. it looks like uh well I'm not going to Speculate, but I've I've heard murmurings that Darnell Savage is probably likely going to be good to go, perhaps for uh, for Denver. So I don't know if we're going to shake up that safety room just yet. Um, And I'm all for it, man. I think anybody that's healthy needs to be out there at this point.
2: Yeah, I would love to see the combination of Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens, just based off of what I've seen. But I don't I don't think they're going to pull the plug on Savage as long as he's healthy, you know. Mm -hmm. And let's hope he rebounds right. Um, You know, some people were saying put Savage in the slot. got several YouTube comments about that, and I responded to, you know, Savage did play in the slot last year. I felt like he played in the slot better than he played safety. Um, However, I don't know if I would say that Savage plays nickel better than Keyshawn Nixon. And, I mean, that's not saying much, not trying to be mean here, but uh, although there was some uh, key statistics that dropped about pass breakups and something else where – uh, Keyshawn was kind of uh, kind of looking decent there, and you know how stats are, Tim. You can you can find a yep. stat and argue any point, right? And I think all that information is important, but you got to be careful with you know what you uh, put more weight in than others, I guess you could say. But uh, we got Zane Strong in the house. Said PTA uh means I'm almost finished with work. My favorite time of the day. Appreciate you swinging through, buddy. We got United Bates in the house here. Bates. Um, we got Carly in the house. She just says yo, and mm-hmm. then we got Jeff Schultz. Uh, as long as signing a running back ends talks about Jonathan Taylor, amen. Now, obviously, Jonathan Taylor got that contract extension, so that's off the table, thank goodness. I did not like that either, Jeff. I, I hated the idea of bringing in Jonathan Taylor at anywhere from 12 to $17 million per, um, especially someone who, you know, in my opinion, at this point, he's overrated. Now, if he returns to his old form, yeah, I could see there being an argument for it. But, again, for someone who's not as involved in the passing game, I just don't see him getting that top-end top, top end money for sure. So let's do this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Robinson signing, okay? Here is his PFF grades, okay? And it's going to be kind of hard to read here. I'll read them off to you. But uh, obviously, he hasn't played a single snap in the 2023 season. He's been a free agent the entire time, which we know the running back market's kind of down this year. So he came in the league in 2020 as a rookie, uh, PFF grade, offensive grade, 72.9. He had 261 total snaps, all right? Um, what did he do good run? Um, he had a good fumble grade and, uh, his run blocking obviously doesn't even matter. So we didn't worry about that. In 2021, his overall offensive grade, uh, fell to a 67.4 didn't fall very far, but still it fell right. Um, his run grade fell, his fumble grade then went to 35.4. So he had trouble protecting the football in 2022. He played for Jacksonville and the New York jets. He only had 110 snaps, And his grade fell all the way to 59.7, run grade of 59.7, fumble grade of 68.6. So, in my opinion, this isn't like this huge signing. I think uh, he showed a little bit. He kind of showed his ceiling there, his rookie year um, in Jacksonville. Uh, So, you know, if anything, Tim, I think what it really comes down to with Robinson is how quick can he pick up the offense? That's going to determine uh, whether or not he ever makes it to the active roster, right? Now, obviously, they had him come in for a workout. They liked what they saw. They waited a couple weeks. Then they decided to bring him in on the practice squad. You know, part of me wants to go, okay, did Aaron Jones have a setback or is there another cut coming, right? Um, Those are the questions we got to ask ourselves because anytime you have an extra – uh, player, you know, at, at a specific position where you're already, I don't want to say loaded, but, you know, you've got plenty of bodies, right? Um, that kind of makes you think, okay, is there something going on there? Uh, mm-hmm. I heard some people suggesting maybe A.J. Dillon gets traded or cut. I think – I don't see that happening personally. Um, I think if anything, uh, if I had to pick out of all the running backs, if, if you had to say, okay, James Robinson is replacing one on this roster, including the practice squad, the one that comes to mind for me, Tim, is probably Patrick Taylor. He hasn't looked great. Um, in the passing game and that was something that he was supposed to be a little bit of his strength you know with pass blocking you guys seen where i showed the double sift the double sift and patrick taylor patrick taylor was out there blocking air just doing that yeah, yeah. While the quarterback was getting you know <laughs> plastered so uh but what do you think about james robinson uh do you think he has a chance to make it to the active roster what's what do you how do you see that
0: i think uh yeah he does um because you know based off of the info we have he's already been worked out so you know, them bringing him back and signing him to the practice squad means they like they like what he's what he's working with. And um, you know, Emmanuel Wilson seen seen the field, Patrick Taylor seen the field, so I don't see why Robinson doesn't get a crack at it either. You're right. Does this give us insight into some kind of a contingency plan for Aaron Jones? Um, because Patrick Taylor certainly didn't do himself any favors against the Raiders, and um, Emmanuel Wilson's still raw. Uh, We've seen flashes, but it's preseason flashes uh, against, you know, second, third, fourth guys down on the depth chart type of situation. So we don't really have a good barometer on Wilson, um, other than we know he he doesn't pass the ball very well. But uh, like, um, I think you're right, man. I mean, maybe this does tell us a little bit about uh, at least, you know, whether or not, you know the severity of aaron jones hamstring issues uh, aside it's just we're we're committed to uh trying to have a run game um and you, you need bodies to do it and yeah. you know robinson being a third year guy you know sometimes you know we can unearth a, a diamond in the rough here in situations like this um kind of like we did with rasul douglas um off of a arizona practice squad a couple years back yeah uh, a, a, able to snag him and he turned out real well um this could be a similar scenario i think uh but time will tell like you said he's got a how well will he grasp this offense you know like and how quickly so we'll we'll get a good look at uh you know james robinson's uh football iq pretty early based on uh you know how involved he really is right away um but it'll be fun to watch um but you're right look out for a cut coming soon i yeah. wonder who i wonder who it could be
2: And something we've seen in the past, too, Tim, wouldn't surprise me one bit. You bring James Robinson in, three days later, they cut him from the practice squad. We've seen that happen, right? So um, it's just one of those things. I don't think it's as big a news as some people are making out. But, hey, fan how you want, you know, Uh, who knows? He may be able to kind of rekindle that rookie year, right? Uh, Carly Ray in the chat said, uh, talking about this time of the night, means my husband's putting the kids to bed. Also, my favorite time of the day. (laughs) Getting a little breather there, right, Carly? That never hurts. So uh, let's see. We got Red Mo in the chat. Said, always love a pta p 2 P T P2P collab. Uh glad I caught that earlier talking about process to perform Mike Wall's channel. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Mike is uh Mike is so good at what he does. And uh I love it. Sometimes sometimes he puts me in check, right? With the, uh, all right, I didn't look at it from that angle, different perspective. Uh tonight, though, or earlier today, I should say, if anything, he kind of confirmed everything I was seeing. You know, granted, uh, any anyone would say we weren't weren't going into that conversation looking at things different, right? We were kind of seeing the same thing. Um, there was a couple comments he made that kind of kind of took me back a little bit, like, okay, all right, maybe, you know, it, it always comes back to the fundamentals with Mike, right? It always comes back to the footwork. And uh some for some people that's that's boring or a boring answer. But again, when you look at the best to do it, David Bakhtiari, man, watch his feet. Go back and watch some 2019, 2020 tape of David Bakhtiari. Just watch his feet. Don't look at anything else but his feet. It is it's pretty wild to see how that – he's just an absolute technician. Uh, and Jeff said the same thing right on. p 2 p Clayton and Mocker, a treat. Appreciate that. Let's see here. Perfect Dark said, there's no fear. Packers are here. Relax. The Packers are a Super Bowl caliber team. They'll come together. Hey, keep Ooh. speaking it. Keep speaking it, bro. Uh, we need all that we can get. And then Carly Ray smacks him down, of course, and says, Are you delusional? I say that with all the <laughs> love possible to another Packers fan. <laughs> we uh, walk,
0: we walk, Carly we Ray has has zero, uh, her nonsense meter is zero. There's <laughs> right. no there'll be no nonsense tonight.
2: <laughs> I love it though. I love how she said I, I say that in the most respectful way possible. And then Perfect Dark comes back and says, I really think they are, just need some adjustments. I'll tell you this, man. Hey, um,
0: I like it. I like it.
2: Yeah, like Emilio said, make a uh, make a Super Bowl run while the team is young. Right, um, I, and and here's the thing. I always go back to Carly Ray. First of all, anytime a conversation like this comes up and you got to give an opinion, I always run it through the filter of if I had to bet the farm, right, on one or the other, I'm going against us winning the Super Bowl. Don't see it happening. But the year that they won the Super Bowl in 2010, there wasn't a single person on the face of this ball of mud spinning through space that was saying, "Oh yeah, the Packers. They they got a chance to go on a run here." All the injuries, everything fell apart early and they just kept chopping, kept chopping, kept chopping. Next thing you know, they uh, they got the hot hand going into the playoffs and uh, a good young quarterback, uh, a nice veteran defense. Man, that defense, when you think about it. I mean, you have yeah. B.J. Yeah. Raji anchor in the middle. You had A.J. Hawk in the middle, just missed consistency. Loved A.J. Hawk. Uh, Clay Matthews out on the edge, right? You had big Howard Green, that midseason acquisition there that, that kind of plugged up the middle along with Raji. Um, let's see, you had Charles Woodson. Uh, you know, shifting around from the outside to the slot, right? You had Nick Collins at free safety, on and on, man. That defense was just – and, and again, it, it's the positions we talk about, Tim. Tier one, edge defender, Clay Matthews. Check it off the list, right? Yep. Next, tier two, you go defensive tackle, right? B.J. Raji. Exactly. Check it off the list. Now, B.J. Raji wasn't great. He wasn't the best at playing the run. He was good, but he wasn't like world beater. But he was an excellent pass rusher, too, from the interior, especially having to take on two two blockers at the same time. Um, But Howard Green was the run defender that B.J. Raji wasn't. B.J. Raji Mm -hmm. could bring some of that pass rush out of the one and the three tech that Howard Green couldn't, so it was a good combination. Right in the middle, same tier two of importance. A.J. Hawk in the middle, just steady Eddie, right? And then free safety, Roman, center field. You got Nick Collins. I'm telling you, man, it, it is the key. Those are the key positions of putting together a good team. You can look at any team across the league and and look at a defense that's good, and I guarantee you that's what you'll find. Like Dallas right now, right? What makes them – let's talk about their edge, Micah Parsons, right? Let's talk about their middle linebacker, although he's hurt now, uh, uh, Leighton Vander Esch, right? Yep. And I don't know who their safety is. I'd have to go look at their roster, but I, I would just about guarantee you they've got a decent safety too, although they do play a lot of man coverage. Um yeah, it's, it's just always like that, man. It's funny how it works, but uh, let's see. Let's get back to the uh, the chat here. Mr. Zane Strong coming in strong and felt <laughs> a 65% chance to make the Super Bowl. 65%. 65. <laughs> Murphy agrees with you there, Zane. Um, United Bates in the chat said, I'd love the young guys to at least get some playoff experience. That would be really cool. Now think about this scenario, Tim. You go on a run here. You put yourself in a position to sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team, right? Nobody would be be sitting there going, okay, yeah, let's let's go on a run and win the Super Bowl. But just getting one playoff game under their belt, win or lose, right, especially for someone like Jordan Love, being able to adjust, regroup, and go on a little bit of a run like that would be huge, right? I mean, just getting that experience.
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. And the list goes on and on for the guys that that experience is going to be great for, you know, a lot of these rookies, man, um, I think Jaden Reed and, you know Musgrave and guys that you know had to earn reps in camp and had to you know fight their way onto this roster since OTAs and you know to grind through a season in your rookie year and you know have a shot at a wild card. You know even playing having a relevant season you know come come December is um, really what you're asking um, your guys to do. So yeah, I think I think it's possible. There's 12 games left. I mean I absolutely believe um, in this team and that they can turn it around. You know if we. We'll see how the next four or five games go, you know. We've we've gotta we we've, we've gotta go get the win. I don't care if we win by one or fifty uh, against Denver. We just need to get get it done. That's what matters.
2: Yep. And that's that's what they did in 2010. There weren't any games where it was just like, I don't remember anywhere. It's like, oh yeah, we were the dominant team. It was just scrapping and winning that turnover differential and just getting through. Right. Beating, the, ba- you-
0: Beating the Bears twice along the way was uh was pretty awesome too. In that and then, run, if I'm and not
2: mistaken, beating them in the NFC championship in Chicago, one of my favorite Packer wins all time, man. Just oh, yeah. totally awesome. Um, Amelia in the chat said, You're on it, Bates. Even if it's one and done, they'll get the taste for it and they can that can drive them in the future. I think it is important. I do, I really, really do. Let's see. Ryan in the chat says, Best Packer show out there. Great part of the day. Go pack, go. Thank you for the kind words, Ryan. Appreciate you swinging through, buddy. Um, Here's uh, Carly Ray said, just got to go 1-0 and every dot dang dot week. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's the name of the game, man. You know, you kind of break the season down into quarters as far from a self-scout standpoint. You kind of regroup each quarter of the season and go, okay, are we tipping too much? Uh, you know, what what is going on that we might be giving some stuff away, but also um, how predictable are we with our personnel and our, and our uh, you know, passing concepts, things like that. Um, it's all a process, but you're right, taking it one game at a time. Um, what was it that Charles Woodson said um, on that Super Bowl run? I'm trying to think from America's game. Um, four, what he said, four quarters, right? They, they broke it down by quarters. That's what it was. McCarthy started preaching in the playoffs. It was, you know, 16 quarters, however many games. They had to win they had to win a wild card, right? Then they had to re- win the uh, divisional round. They had to win the NFC Championship. And then they won the Super Bowl. So he broke it down into 16 quarters, right? We got 16 quarters. We just got to win 16 quarters, right? If you look at it like that in a game and say, we got to win all four quarters, right? And you come out and win three of the quarters, you know what I mean? You're still, you still got the W. So, um, absolutely. It's it's all mindset. There's no doubt about it. And there's a thousand different ways of looking at it and whatever motivates the team or or gets them in the right mindset. That's all that matters. Um, Emilio said they need to start stacking days, get 1% better each day. And that's exactly what Mike Wall was talking about. And we'll kind of recap that conversation I had with him. Um, and Emilio or uh, United base agrees with Emilio said, yes, sir. All right. So um talking about getting 1% better. Let's, let's talk about what Mike said earlier today. And for those of you who haven't heard it, you can find it on YouTube. It's already in podcast form. It's already live on Packernet podcast. Actually, I'm going to flash this up here real quick for you guys. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you listen to podcasts on the go, scan the QR code in the upper right of the screen, that'll send you to Packernet podcast where you'll find a whole, just a whole belly of, uh, of different podcasts that are all geared around the Packers. You've got, if you're into college football and you want to know about the upcoming draft, you've got Jake Shavinks. It's always draft season podcast. you got uh Packer net derailed. You've got the flagship podcast for Packer net podcast call Packer net podcast, along with Packer net after dark, uh, where we've got kind of a voicemail set up where Ryan will fill yeah. people's calls and respond to their voicemails. Really, really cool setup there. So make sure you go check that out. Um, all right. So, as far as talking to Mike Wall, this this is kind of what I came away with, Tim. And I know you already watched it. I want to get your take on all this and kind of and kind of see where your mind's at. But one of the things that you could tell was really irking Mike was a comment um that uh a comment that Matt LaFleur said where he basically said, quote, there's this is nothing our scheme can't fix. And you can see Mike kind of his jaw got Got a little yeah. bit wider. <laughs> yeah,
0: I saw a vein. There was a little vein in the, in the forehead, yeah.
2: Because <laughs> what he does at Process to Perform is he. you're talking about teaching people the fundamentals, but you're also teaching work ethic. You're teaching all of these things, discipline, Um, you know, uh, just everything it takes to be a pro's pro, even at at a young level. Like he talked about, I was watching a episode uh, from, from just the last 24, 48 hours. He's talking about coaching eight-year-olds and, and 10-year-olds and, you know, and uh, how there's only so much he could do with a, you know, a much younger, uh, you know, prospect, player, kid, what have you. Um, but when you get to this level in the NFL, all these players have talent, obviously. But the last thing you want to do is lower the bar. And that's exactly what he's saying. You know, when, when he turns on the tape and he sees the offensive line, he sees lack of fundamentals. He sees the footwork not being there. It, he He went on to point out, like, Everybody knows, and this is something Michael Lombardi has said on his podcast as well. You've got all these young coaches that are coming in and they're scheme coaches, but they're not developmental coaches, right? Meaning they don't know how to develop talent. They just know how to draw on a, you know, and and brilliant football minds, don't get me wrong, but just because they draw it on a board doesn't mean it's going to work on the field, right? And if your fundamentals are crap, which is what Mike Wall is kind of pointing out, it doesn't matter what you put on the board. Every play will fail, right? Every play is designed to win. That's what I loved about Mike McCarthy's old system with the West Coast offense, especially when it was a true progression or read play where it's one, two, three, check down, no matter what the defense calls. there, There is an answer on every single play in Mike McCarthy's West Coast spread offense. Right, And that's what Aaron Rodgers loved about that offense. That's why when Matt LaFleur came in and installed his offense in 2019, the offensive numbers went down. A lot of people forget this. And Aaron Rodgers is on record that he told Matt LaFleur, your scheme is flawed. Your scheme is flawed. And, and essentially what I think he was saying, Tim, was there's not an answer to every question in this specific type of scheme as were with McCarthy's there was, right? So with all that being said, um, Mike talking about, you know, it just feels like you've lowered the bar now. When you make a comment like this is nothing our scheme can't fix and the tape is showing all the fundamentals are gone. All the all the footwork is just an absolute mess. Now you're giving you're you're basically telling the players it's okay, It's okay. You failed. All right. We'll fix it. We'll make it easier for you. That's not the right answer. Right. And that's the way Mike's seen it. Um, What do you think about that, Tim? We'll just start there as far as what Mike's saying there. Um, Anything come to mind?
0: Well, I'm going to just go ahead and sound real smart and just say I agree 100% with Mike Wall. (laughs) But um, no, in all seriousness, it's true. Um, I I think we're um, heavy on options, heavy on scenarios uh, within this scheme, but we're short on answers and solutions. And, you know, when you combine that with, um, let's just call it maybe a lack of emphasis on fundamentals. Maybe that's what this is. You know, maybe it's not what we're practicing, it's how we're practicing. Um, And I think it could also go to, you know, Mike's original point a few weeks ago about, you know, asking a lot from guys that, um, quite frankly, are not, they're not there yet. We've got a lot of rookies, uh, second year guys that just aren't there yet. They're they're not ready to make these, um, you know, across the line blocks and do a lot of complex things. So we could be setting ourselves up for failure, you know, in multiple facets. And um, I do. I think it is kind of a cop out um, kind of answer to just say, oh, it's nothing the scheme can't fix. And it's like, well, you know, the scheme hasn't looked so hot these last couple of games. Um,
1: At last, you know? actually,
0: the last, you know, what, half
2: year. <laughs> you know,
0: you know, I would respect it a lot more to, to you know hear my coach say, you know, we we really got to go back to the drawing board here. That's right. We got to yeah. really reassess what we're what we're trying to accomplish and what we're doing out there, um, because if we're running this offense uh, with the attitude of taking what the defense is giving us, I mean, of course you need that. You you got to pepper that into your approach always. You know, be cognizant of what is going on on the other side of the line. However, you got to impose your will on that defense. You're in control. You're dictating. You have the ball. Um, and I just don't see us. I don't, I don't feel that, you know, I feel like we're lacking that, uh, that command, uh, you know, on offense. And that's not just Jordan love. That's not just, you know, this guy, that guy, Josh Myers, whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, it's a collective thing, uh, in this uh, locker room, I think right now. And, uh, I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to hear uh coach LaFleur just kind of own it and say, "Yeah, let's uh let's go back and uh reassess, you know."
2: Yeah, for sure. And that's that's kind of what I expected to hear too, but he's full steam ahead it seems like. I mean, they to me the game plan got even more complex against the Vegas Raiders and on top of that, you you now mixed in a little more 13 personnel with even more youth and it's like, "What are we what are we even doing here? And Do you and think that get, might have
0: been because of the Aaron Jones factor, the late scratch, and that we talked about no. his that game plan was probably geared towards, you know, having Aaron
2: Jones back. It could have been, but again, you know, <laughs> doubling down on the lack of experience at those positions, right? Yeah, is what just took me off when I seen the thirteen personnel and then the double sift out of the thirteen personnel, I literally just went, I don't. I thought I understood football. I don't think I understand football, but let's go to the phones here. We got Carly Ray on the line. Carly, how you doing tonight?
1: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
2: Uh-oh. She said, I'm I'm already sick of you guys. I ain't I ain't listening to it. <laughs> Carly, can you hear us? I see her unmuting uh, For whatever reason, we don't have sound though. Oh, that's weird. We'll keep you pulled up, Carly. You can try to figure it out. Yeah, she's gonna hop back on. Let's go to Emilio. We got Emilio in Tennessee. Emilio, how you doing,
4: man? I'm good, fellas. I missed you. I missed you. It's been <laughs> a
2: heck yeah. Um, did you get a chance to check out Mike Wall and uh in the conversation we had earlier today?
4: A little bit. I was driving uh I was driving back into town. Um, so I was <laughs> I was you know hit or miss on it, commenting here and there, but uh yeah. uh I mean it's just it's it's the the energy that Mike Wall brings is something that we need, which I thought Rich Bisaccio was going to do a little bit more of, but it doesn't seem like anyone's really cracking a whip, um, yeah. if like in practice sort of thing. You know, if I mean it's, it's practice how you play. It's you know we only get two hours a day, and like he was saying about the CBA rule and all that, where. He was saying, you know, that that's kind of a cop out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I love
4: it, and it kind of is honestly. Like if, right. if if that's your job, it's like ah, uh, you know what, man? Like mm, flat tire today, I'm not going to work. Like it's like, come on, dude, <laughs> you're not going to plug that and go to work. Like let's go.
2: <laughs> no, that's a great point, man. It is. Um, you know, one of the things that he talked about was them not having a sense of direction. Right. A sense of direction and purpose. It's like they're just kind of scattershot. Right. We talked about how in week one they showed so many different looks. Right. You guys remember that we talked about all the different formations. Uh, I mean, they just threw a multitude of things out there. Now, it wasn't an issue because obviously we come out with the win. Right. Nobody's talking about it. But then you get to fast forward to the Vegas game and you're throwing out this 13 personnel you're mixing in some pistol and all these different looks. And it doesn't work out. Now we're going, oh, hold up. Now it actually started before Vegas, but yeah. So, him talking about not having a sense of direction and purpose, because I asked him, how would you fix it? And he said, that's where I would start, right? You've got to instill confidence in your quarterback, right? You've got to do things and put your quarterback in a position to where they can be successful. And that all starts with things that you know they're capable of doing and doing at a high level, very consistent. But, uh, what do you think, Amelia? What would you do? You play football, and I know, just like me, in any sports, probably a lower level. You know, we're we're not sitting here acting like we're former NFL players, guys. Okay, right. but Amelia, what would you? What's the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think, okay, here's what needs to change about this offense?
4: Well, adding adding to what you were just kind of saying there, I mean, if, if going back to even the play college, if it's something Jordan did in college and did well in college, why can we not give him a, you know, a little a little a little hand with, with something that he's actually comfortable with that he can actually do. Um, Honestly, what I what I think the offense would need is go a little bit back to, you know, 19, 18, where, where we had a little bit more spread. And like Mike was saying, I would love to see four wide, maybe not a tight end, maybe say, hey, let's put four wide receivers out there and see what happens with one back in the backfield, mm-hmm. even if, you know, single back or something, you know, if we got A.J. Dillon, if we got Jones, we can go shotgun, but if you want six in the box, give yourself, spread it out, get outside the numbers. I know Matt likes it tight in motion and all that, and it's cool that we do that. But, you know, like you were saying in, in, the, uh, in the chalk talk, all those sifts are killing us in our, in our, in our, in our hat game. Like when, when we were running the wing double T in high school, which was a terrible offense, trust me. I mean, you're pumping <laughs> run and everyone's just pitch it and start running. But like you, <laughs> you, you put, you put all 11 guys, the quarterback, whoever you want in front of it and you start blocking. Like that's, I mean, it's not, obviously it's not perfect, but it's, let's not hurt ourselves when we need help.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Great point. You know, you can definitely, uh, You can muddy the water quick. I love the thought of spreading things out a bit. And, uh, you know, as as excited as we all were to see this Matt LaFleur offense, this is the first time we've seen, you know, like last year, in my opinion, was the first glimpse of the true Matt LaFleur offense. We increased motion last year. I know a lot of people don't believe it, but we increased motion last year from the year before. Right. So we ran more motion. We ran more condensed sets. You've seen less of that McCarthy effect on the playbook that Rogers, you know, kind of mixed and matched there in 2020 and 2021. Um, so then you come out last year and, and I think you got a true glimpse of Matt LaFleur's offense. Obviously this year it's in its purest form and you, you're going to a lot of these condensed sets. I don't know. I man. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I would love to see those condensed sets as opposed to spreading everything out. I'm not suggesting they should run Baylor splits. Right. But get away from the nasty just a bit, right? And just some normal splits. And what you were saying to Emilio about having four wide receivers, if that indeed triggers for you know a, a dom set, right, where you're going to have you know six DBs right. and you can run between the tackles, especially in an inside zone with a, just a hat on a hat count, that's a that's a pretty good setup. Now, the reason I like Musgrave and I think that that Mike Wall did as well, you flex him out. I mean, he is a big wide receiver essentially, right? So now what happens, they've got a backer on him. If he begins to create separation on that backer, they've got to now make the decision, okay, this isn't working. Let's put a DB on Musgrave. When they do that, you go muddle huddle, and now you come back to some of the condensed sets, and now you've got an extra DB in there with the tight end blocking that corner there's no doubt in my mind Musgrave can block a corner or a right. safety, right? The right. problem is obviously the Wills and the Sams. Yeah. Doing the
4: time. to that point is the problem. It's we can't get a matchup that we like. If they're, if they're in nickel the whole time and we're just going to stay in 11, I mean, it's where you're not getting anything different than, than what you normally would. I, and, and, I mean, uh, like when the Jets were going three tight this this past week and they went three tight ends just to get a different look. And it, it was something that actually helped him. Like he was able to, you know, one two read, get rid of it. But it's little things like that. If, if it's something that could help Jordan, maybe we maybe Matt LaFleur just puts a whole little box in his on his play sheet. And it's just safety calls for Jordan Love if we're in trouble. Like, let's just go, uh, you know. Twenty-one dive. All right, let's do a quick slant and a curl route, and that's it. You know, let's just try to get a first down.
2: Definitely, definitely. Let's go to the phones here to Carly Ray. Carly, can you hear us now?
5: I can. I could always hear you. Can you hear me?
2: Yes, we got you. We right. got you.
5: And maybe you can probably hear my cat in the background. Hang on, I'm going to feed him. There, I was going to shut up.
2: <laughs> You're good. You're good. Yeah, a now I always have to put the chefs up right, and uh. It's funny because, you know, much like you were talking about, you know, you got your husband putting the putting the kids to bed, right? I go downstairs and and, and Mandy looks like Beetlejuice. Her hair's stuck straight up dealing with those dogs. It's hilarious. <laughs> you, ready to pull her hair out, but that's the way it goes, though. look, um, Zane Strong, let's go ahead and hit it right now. I can't pass this one up. Read that for me, Tim. <laughs> Why don't we let Brett read that one? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Zane Strong says, You think God never farted? You will always get that interaction from me. I'm sorry. That's my favorite soundbite. But uh, Carly, what's on your mind now? After listening to Mike Wall, I don't know how much of it you heard. What kind of sticks out to you about that conversation?
5: Oh, man, I was so fired up after listening to it. I just wanted to. I think I put in the comments. I want to just take that, burn it to a DVD, and at the Christmas party, have someone like slip it to him in his seat or something, or sneak into his office and have it play on repeat, and be like, "Dude, what the heck's going on?" Like, I feel like, yeah, so much of what he said and what you guys have said, like, you know me, I'm I'm just brand new to this. I don't know the X's on and O's, but I like I listen to people. I listen to what they say. I've been like here in the press conferences, and it's just like, I feel like. I guess I talked a few weeks ago about how like a good dancer makes uh can make their partner look good no matter the level. And I feel like the coach, I feel like Matt is trying to make himself look too good almost. Like he's calling plays to show how smart he is and what he can yep. do, rather than calling the plays to actually make the guys out there, you know, build that confidence, which is, you know, a lot of what you guys have been saying too.
2: Yeah, that's the tough part because like I think we would all agree that Matt LaFleur wants to win the game, right? It's just mm-hmm. when you're the play caller, and, and listen, let's be honest, Coach LaFleur is an emotional guy. You've seen it at the very first press conference, right, Tim? Remember he – got and and I appreciated it. I appreciated the fact that it meant so much to him that he was being hired as the head coach of the of the Green Bay Packers. But then you see when they hit adversity, how many times have you heard people say, man, he looks like he's about to cry? Like it's just like it's too much for him, right? And, and it, if it is too much for him, that's not a knock against Coach LaFleur. There's some great head coaches that had to step away so many times. Bill Parcells had to – Bill yeah. Parcells is one of the toughest coaches you'll ever meet, right? He had to step away several times because his, his health deteriorated, dealing with the stress, the pressure of being coach. Um, Bruce Arians, there were several times he had to step away, right, because it was just um, too much for him. That's another of football life. If you check out his, um, he kind of tells that story.
0: Wade, um, Wade Phillips was that way too, wasn't yeah, he? Didn't yeah. he take a break? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. So that's not that's not uncommon. Um, but you know, to me, it's like when you're the play caller and you're that emotionally involved, man, that's tough because like we had talked about and in the whole openers. Did you see Mike Wall's reaction to me mentioning the openers? He was like
0: hey, <laughs> we got he, got two
2: veins. He, <laughs> he, he he I love his reaction. He looked at me, and went, is that true? <laughs> and I, went, I mean LaFleur didn't tell me, but – and I was trying not to mention Jason Woody because I don't want to, you know, just throw that stuff out there. Obviously, I've got the soundbite where he said it, but at the same time, you don't want to get people's mentions fired up, you know, on Twitter. But And when I mentioned who it was, he said, okay, yeah, I trust Jason Woody because, you know, he's covered the team for a very long time, since 95 or 96 the players obviously respect him. I know uh, Mike Wall thinks a lot of Mark, Talisher. Mark Talisher and Mark Towser and Wildey have a show together now. Uh, but, yeah, when I said that, he was just like, I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> He was taken back. Now, he did mention, you know, like conceptually, and, and essentially what he was saying is you've got it for down and distance, just like a normal play chart, right, play sheet. And that's what Bill Walsh talked about in, uh, in the book, uh, The Score Takes Care of Itself, was you've got these openers, now, it doesn't mean you're going to call them in sequence, but you've got openers going, okay, well, six plays in. Let's say let's say they turn the ball over and you get the ball at their 40-yard line. You're not going to start with your opener that you had set up for the 20 on your 20, right? You're on their side of the ball. You may jump up six or seven yards. Go, Okay, we're, we're within striking distance of the, of the uh, end zone, so let's jump up five or six plays, maybe six or seven plays, and start right there, and then you'll come back to those openers. But the, the goal, like Mike said, which was so cool because on this shot right here, um that we showed yesterday never mind i already deleted it um of bill walsh's key you know points to those openers was given multiple looks to see how the defense is going to react to them so you know how to counter them but anyway yeah i thought it was a really good conversation we had a lot of fun with it but uh what and else to you? oh go ahead Milly. i'm sorry no,
4: no i was just going to add to that Clay. my fault um so just even if you had those scripted 15 20 plays they're on the flight hey aaron jones isn't playing okay patrick taylor you know in the in the book all right what are we going to be doing the first 10, 15 plays at least have a little bit of head on you so that we know what's going on instead. All right. You know, you know, it's cool. He felt it and ran AJ Dillon. You know, I love that, but maybe just help everybody else be on the same page. You know, we're a team here. We're not, we're all not trying to succeed individually.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's, there's something missing. And I personally think, I hate to say this, but I personally think there's a culture issue at 1265 right now. Um, That's Mm. probably something we don't need to get into tonight. Uh, but uh, just some of the stuff that's happened, some of the social media posts that's happened from players here lately, I'm just going, I don't know, man. I just – that don't sit right with me. Just after you lose a game and then tweeting out or, you know, putting an IG post out there of, you know, um, I'm all in and showing pictures of you scoring a touchdown, it's like, bro, you – you know you lost, right? So you're, you're basically, I'm all in. That's the way I took it, right? And then you had another player basically saying he's not listening to anybody. Now, I don't know if that was meant for the coaches or just social media or what in general, but probably reading a little too much into it. But what else you got, Carly, before we let you go?
5: Um. So another thing Mike Wall was talking about, about how guys that are just really excellent in their positions, they have, they're like robots. Every time they step in, they do the same thing. They have the footwork, they have it down pat, so they no longer have to do the thinking. They, you know, rehearsed it, practiced it so many times, and I just... I just wonder, I, is it really two hours a day? Do they really only get two hours a day to practice?
2: It's something crazy like that. I don't have all the details of the CBA, but it is very, very limited for sure. Yeah.
5: Do they are and, p- getting paid way too much money to like only work two days a, uh, <laughs> or two hours a day in practice? Like that's insane. It's but, wild. Yeah, I just it I want to see guys like going after that. And if the only practice they're really getting is in these live reps time, then they're making muscle memory of bad moves.
2: It's a good point. It's a good point. You know, like when you talk about training camp, how they, you know, you hear in in Mike kind of laughed a little bit when he talked about the old heads talking about, you know, what practice should be. Right. And the way they used to do it, you know, they used to jump right into training camp and it was two days. Right. And it was just some cases three days and it was full pads. Now they have a ramp up period before they can even put the pads on. And we wonder why people are getting injured so much, right. It's because their body isn't ready for the beating. I think we would all agree the Packers have injury problems early in the season. And it seems like you get midway through the season, right, Tim. And it's like, everybody kind of hits stride and everybody stays healthy. It seems that way though, doesn't it? It's true. It's very true.
0: And then, you know, even once the pads come on then you're, you got the restricted as to how many padded practices you can get in a training camp as well. So Mm -hmm. it's like, not every day is padded. Then you have full pads or some pads, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what uh, how the CBA works, um, but I, I, I guess I understand it. It's a different NFL than it was uh, back in the day, but um, I, I would hate to be a coach trying to install a game plan uh, with two-hour practices. It'd be uh, you're working uphill the whole time.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah. And to Tim's point, don't quote me, but wasn't it what 14 padded practices throughout the actual season that they get or something? Yeah. So- you get a handful in two a days and you don't even practice as many times as you play actual games. No. So,
5: So isn't that CVA supposed to be for the player's benefit? Like why would they handicap themselves like that? Like that, honestly, it doesn't, it seems to be really counterproductive if they really want to make a people that stay healthy players that stay healthy, that enjoy the game, that go out and execute well, where we see a good brand of football on the screen and people feel proud of themselves. It seems like it's just working against that whole goal.
2: Yeah, and you know that's the thing. If you ask the players, if you ask the players today, I mean, that's that's what they want. They want less practice. They do. You know, you've seen Favre in his latter years, right? I mean, it was like Mm -hmm. if I could just go out there and play every Sunday, I'd play till I was sixty. Like, you know what I mean? But it's the it's the training camp, it's the practice, it's all the preparation that he didn't enjoy. Um, You know, I think most of the players, and I understand what you're saying, Carly. That's what makes your Tom Brady's of the world so. Um, So rare. Right. He was a guy that got on a conference call with the union with all the players and basically said, guys, do not show up for training camp. We need to protest this. And in the very next day, he was out with his guys running drills. <laughs> it's like he was going to get that upper hand. Right. You've got some of those those players that they definitely look at it that way. But that's uh, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. tough because I understand exactly what you're saying, Carly Ray. But at the same time, these players are – they're constantly in a battle with the owners, with these CBAs, to to try to get less workload because it's easier on our body. And I do think it's counterproductive, both for the product on the field but then for them to stay healthy because they're not really football shape yet. I mean, honestly, you get a quarter of the way through the season. It, it's at this point right here that people are really starting to get into football shape. That's a fact. So, um, you got anything else before we let you go, Carl?
5: Yeah, just one other thing, and it's actually about Joe Barry, and it's a good thing about Joe uh-oh, Barry. Uh-oh. Is... <laughs> so did um, I listened to the press conferences today, and I really just was struck by, so everybody else that came and talked that I saw, it kind of seems like their answers were canned, like I kind of knew what was going to come out of their mouth before they even said it, you know, just speaking the company line. But when Joe Barry got up and answered the questions, I don't remember exactly what he said, but you could tell he was actually like engaged with the people and he was actually thinking and he was actually answering. Like it made me think of uh, Tim, when you were there at the at training camp and how he just asked you about one of the players and just seemed really like likable and like he was actually listening, you know, he actually cared. And that gave me like hope, I guess. I don't know. I just really liked how he went about it and it made me even feel a little bit more like he's actually like not to, what's the word, like dedicated to the image of what it means to be defensive coordinator and actually working through stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that or what you think of that, but I was encouraged.
2: I think Joe Barry is a very, uh, very genuine person. Unfortunately, genuine people in today's society will get picked apart for it. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, he simply answered, yeah, we need to have a check for that talking about when Preston Smith gets out there and coach. Oh, by the way, did you see Mike Wall's response? <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about that. We, we actually didn't talk offline at all. We just went live. Right. And uh, he was just like, you know, Basically pointing out, listen, when you run a 34 defense, you're going to get caught in those looks. There's going to be times that they bring that wide receiver over, and and they're looking to snap the ball quickly when they do it. When they go empty base against your 34, they're in a 21 personnel or a 12 personnel, and you're 34-triggered base, right? Then they come to the line of scrimmage, and they see it. Okay, you put the guy in motion. The cornerback doesn't follow because you're in a zone defense. They're going to quickly snap that ball. Everyone's acting like it's Madden, where you can hit pause and go, "Okay, what? A, I need to hit square, square here, right? Right? <laughs> let's adjust, let's flip. You know, you know how it is, Emilio. So, and it's, it,
4: I mean, it's di- Oh, sorry, Clayton. I mean, to cut you off.
2: You're good. You're good. I'm no. just. It, it really stood out to me <clears throat> that uh, I'm getting emotional over, as you can tell that Mike Wall um, was just like, "Come on, people! Like this happens all across the league, and you guys are taking one, maybe two, maybe three plays a game and going, oh, look at this idiot! You okay? Yeah, he's an idiot.'"
4: Yeah, and I'm just saying it's different. Like if if you look at it in 2012 when we had Clay Matthews, not or ten, whatever, no one was complaining because he's got long hair flowing around when he's running and he's <laughs> a little smaller in size. You know, so <laughs> we were complaining then when he was out there, but it's the same exact spot, same exact defense. Basically, we're just shuffling him around. It's it's put four down, put three up, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's uh, you know, crazy,
2: definitely. All right, well, we got Jacob popping on here. We're going to let you guys go. Is there anything else you, you two want to hit on before we let you go? Anything else?
4: I got one if Carly doesn't.
2: Okay.
5: No, go ahead. Okay. okay.
4: So what's 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 everybody's take on the fact that we just rotate captains? Hey,
2: I'll tell you this. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> to try to curb it here. It really bothered me last year. There's, there's one guy that keeps popping up in my doghouse. And it, it bothers me, and that's that's our boy Jair Alexander. Like, he's the one who caused the stink last year because he didn't get voted captain, right? And now he made a comment last week that I guess we just need to not allow other offenses to score at all, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then of course, yeah. this week or actually today, he said maybe he needs to play offense. It makes it's like- why don't you shut up, dude, and get good at what you're supposed to be good at? Like, you, you. I'm sorry, man. You're you're underperforming, right? And yep. people, people will come running out of the freaking woodwork to defend him. Like, oh, well, he's a good cover corner. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be having to play the run. You heard Mike. He talked about that specific play that I broke down on chalk talk. And he's like, you, you got to You got to come up and make that play, like. Just because you're a cover corner doesn't mean you don't have, you know, C-gap responsibilities when when they're showing an overload on the opposite side, you know, when they're when they're showing kind of an offset. So that's frustrating for me. But, yeah, Emilio, don't get me started on the captains. Tim, what's your take on the captains? What do you think of the rotating captains?
0: I think it kind of points to that C-word you mentioned earlier, the, the culture issue yep. uh, that might be going on. Um, and if, you know, if we have a staff that's saying, all right, well, who do you guys want to be captain this week? You guys, uh, you guys decide. It's kind of like, well, yeah, maybe the team should elect captains, but maybe it should mean something. Maybe it should last for an entire season or, you know, I, I don't know. I know there's leaders in that locker room. I know, uh, Rasul Douglas comes to mind. Um, I don't know if there's some kind of, uh, you know, alpha power dynamic, you know, heads budding in there. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. uh, you got to figure it out. And this team needs to find an identity other than that we're young and uh, we we have Matt LaFleur as our play caller. Like, there's got to be more than, more than that as an identity. And, you know, you would think getting spanked at home on national TV and then getting spanked on national TV again in Las Vegas. Um, well, I don't know about spanked in Vegas, but falling on your face in Vegas. Uh, you think maybe that would galvanize some guys you know, and, and be a motivating factor that you're tired of getting showed up out there. And, uh, yeah. you know, we can talk about Jair not playing to potential. Um, he's not the only one.
2: Right, right.
0: So, you know, there there could be a possible culture issue. Hopefully nothing that uh, scheme won't fix, though. Right, guys? No, just kidding. Sure. Well, can I,
5: Tim, can I mention something real quick about that? Yeah. And- yeah. So one of my fears is that with the guys being so young, yes that's going to affect how they play on the field. We all know that, but it's also going to affect how they interact with the coaches there, the trainers, the people that are around them that are supposed to be making them into the best players they can be, and I think they are too young to know when to push back and when to say, "Hey, this is what I need right now. This is how I'm going to get better." Like it's it's almost like I just worry that we're going to maybe fail them or, you know, that the coaches are going to fail them because they just don't have the experience to say, Hey, this is what the team needs. And there's all these dynamics that are just kind of washing around them. And they're just trying to keep their heads above water in these games because of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. And T.L. Milner here in the chat says, wow, Carly, excellent commentary. They should consider bringing you on full time. See Carly, we're going to let you and Emilio go now, because you're going to put me out of the job. That's the way this works. (laughs) (laughs) No No worries. We appreciate you guys so much. I, I thank you for calling in, and uh, definitely call in anytime we send the link because this is this is the type of conversation I really enjoy, man. It just kind of gets me out of not just my comfort zone, but also like looking at things from different angles. And of course, of course, Emilio had to ruin my not bringing up the uh, rotating captains.
1: Okay, so.
4: I'm sorry, but you, um, <laughs> just hear me out. Ed Reed and Ray Lewis didn't rotate their captain badges. Okay? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Pitched on the jersey for ten years. That's it. Wrap. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Call it a day. That's Damn. what. That's what we need. If it's Rashawn, st- staple that thing, melt it to his jersey, pay the man, and get and be done with it. You know that. I'm sorry. That's it. No, that's I'll, what I'll, you
2: need. You need. You I'll, need an offensive captain. You need a defensive captain. You need a special teams captain. The players should vote. And if you didn't get voted captain, that means you're not a captain. It doesn't mean you. You know, just because you think you should be a captain. I completely right. agree, Emilio, completely. Right. The ones.
1: But, mm-hmm.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys for calling in. You are awesome. We're going to get Jacob's take here. Jacob's like, I got on here to sit I'm for gonna, 20 minutes, out. and then we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Appreciate you, <laughs> Emilio.
4: Appreciate it, fellas. Yeah,
2: good stuff, good stuff. All right, so uh, Jacob, we bring Jacob now in here from the uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, I know you had an eventful day. You've been running around like crazy taking care of errands, but um, yeah. any comments on the stuff we've covered so far?
3: I'm gonna be honest, I don't quite know what you've covered so far. Uh, I, I was busy right up until I logged on here. Um, it sounds like you're talking about rotating captains, man. If that doesn't sound like the biggest participation trophy, you know what? <laughs> exactly, I don't, exactly. I don't even want to talk about that. That is, I, to me, I, no, no. All right, um, welcome
0: back, Jacob. Welcome yeah.
3: back. I love it. <laughs> right no, away, I don't want to do that. About. That sounds yeah really ridiculous um
2: here's here's another great point here United Bates says that's when having someone like Mercedes Lewis in the locker room is so valuable and it's so true like that drives it still drives me crazy we didn't bring him back you have big dog patrol in the locker room yeah you know like (laughs) come on and you know that's the that's the thing too like the way that Jai went about complaining about it too he did it in the media right he kind of Okay. Kinda, you know, rather than go to his teammates and talk about it, be like, hey, man, you know what? It, it, it was just just these little snide comments are getting old, man. No you, don't, uh,
3: you don't air out your dirty laundry in the media.
2: Now,
0: no. yeah, And you're not given a position of leadership. You take or you earn a position of leadership. That just reminds me, remember when Zadarius got all butthurt
3: about it and went so yes. far as to make himself a chain that said, I'm the cap? Like, dude, no, you're not. If you I made my the, own trophy. If you have to. <laughs> If you have to exactly, if you have to make, I mean, anybody that wants to be a captain so bad that they're talking about it does not deserve to be a captain, in my opinion. Yeah, like they, like uh, like Emilio talked about, like Ed Reed. You know what I mean? You knew he was the captain. Oh yeah, you, know? you knew that. You saw exactly what he did on the field and off the field. Same with uh, uh God, who was the other guy? that he said uh, Ray Lewis. Ray yeah, Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Thank you. you know, yeah, off the field, Ray Lewis, maybe not. Whatever, but on the field. Maybe
2: not so much, Hey, I will say this about Ray Lewis. When all that happened, um, I wasn't quite a Packer fan yet. You know, I was still real heavy into college football and started to watch pro football a little bit closer. But when that happened, I remember thinking he's a phony, he's a fraud, because he started talking about, you know, his newfound faith and this and that. I'm like, that's just a – he's just an emergency Christian. That's just a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's just trying to play that. That man has lived it for the last. I mean, that is one thing I can say about Ray. Like, ever since that happened, he was a changed individual. And anyone who's ever played with him, name one person who didn't enjoy playing with him. Name one coach who didn't enjoy coaching him, right? Name one person outside of football that they have a negative thing to say about Ray post that event as he entered the draft,
3: right? That is great that everybody kind of knows that (laughs) he basically took care of a guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's awesome. I mean, honestly, imagine having something like that happen in your life. And, you know, there's a lot of great you can read a lot of stories and conspiracies about it and blah, blah, blah. But imagine coming through that kind of situation, however, it it happened and not being a complete psychopath and actually turning it around. Yeah, it, Whatever his involvement really was, I'm sure the only people that will know that are either going to be him or they're already passed on. But like you said, the way that he's handled it and went forward with his life, it's kind of like you see, obviously not the same situations, but people like you looked at Tony Mandrich. how inspiring it is, because sometimes I think it does. You take, you got to hit that rock, just horrible rock bottom. And some people are able to climb out of it. And unfortunately, most people aren't, I don't
2: think. Yeah. Carly in the chat says, let's get all the shareholders to not and petition for non-rotating captains. We need a Photoshop of Carly Ray's face on Braveheart. Right, leading the revolt. We're going to go to 1265 and let them know we're, we're tired of these uh, participation <laughs> trophies, all right? Oh, tired man. of it. United base says, great job, Carly and Amelia. I completely agree, United Bates. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. So, all right, let's do this. Um, I want to show this real quick, what Mike was talking about, okay? First of all, just to wrap up the notes that I have from talking to him, you want to build confidence in your quarterback and, and what we're running, right? And he talked about how uh, Jordan has shown he's got the accuracy, he's got the arm strength to hammer the out routes, Right. Check it off the list. The digs are another thing that he really loves to hammer the digs, especially off of that rap concept where you've got a two-by-two two set, and on the wrap side, you've got the inside receiver, the number two. And when I say number one, number two, starting from the sideline out, this is how the defense communicates uh, what their responsibilities are. The Let's say you've got a two-by-two two set, right? You've got, obviously, five offensive linemen. You've got your quarterback. you got your halfback, right? And then you've got two receivers on this side, two receivers on this side, Okay. The ones on the outside, those are considered the number one receivers. In the next one, in or number two. So, if you've got a three by set from the sideline moving towards the ball, it's a number one, the number two, the number three. You'll hear them talking schematics, and especially in match coverage, going, okay, I've got the three beyond seven. It becomes man coverage, right? I'm covering the two. That's what they're referring to. But if you that- go to the two set, the wrap concept one, number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver, right? The number one wide res- or the number two wide receiver, the slot, right? will run a sit, and the number one will run a dig over top of it, okay? And Jordan's really good at that because it's easy side adjustment, easy progression, ball snap. You're probably just reading half the field. You're looking at the sit to the dig. Everything you need information-wise is right there in the same spot. What were you going to say, Jake? I was just going to ask on the
3: defensive perspective. In that case, say you had your two receivers on the on whatever side you're looking at, is the tight end considered three? And if the halfback is strong side, is that considered
2: four? Um, I have never heard anybody refer to the halfback as a number, but if there is a tight end that, that they'll easy communication. That's a number three. That's gotcha. the third target. Yeah. My, my guess is they'll just refer to the halfback as the T or the H, whatever you want to say, you know, you can say halfback, right. You could say uh tailback, whatever. I always refer to them as T it's one syllable. I've heard that communicated within the West coast, Uh, offense as well so uh, anytime I've got a running back that I'm describing in the play design I'm always going to refer to him as the T and then if you've got a second running back which if it's not your primary running you know running back and it's more of a blocking back I refer to him as the H okay when it comes to tight ends your number one tight end is a Y typically they're attached then I I like to refer to the second tight end as a U okay Um, now In this case, Luke Musgrave's your Y, right, and Tucker Craft would be your U, or Josiah Deguara would be your U. Now, you can go ahead and stamp Deguara with H because he is the one who plays fullback the majority of the time, right? I'm totally cool with referring to him as an H, but it still needs to go, in my opinion, into account of tight end. Um, You know, if you want to call it 21 personnel, but the way they use Deguara and move him around, I kind of differ. Now, there's some people that say, no, the tight end that's more of a receiving threat is your F tight end. And that's, that's true in some cases. But the problem with that in LaFleur's offense and the reason you go why you is because in LaFleur's offense they've got a receiving position that they refer to as flyer, and he calls that the F. And that's where things get really confusing. I dove into that real deep this year. I still didn't get a 100% conclusive answer, but to the best of my knowledge when he says F, he's talking about the F receiver, the flyer receiver. And the reason it gets convoluted is because you've got – you identify your X first. Your X receiver is opposite tight end on the line of scrimmage. Hands down, all right? There's your X. So the receiver opposite the X is your Z, okay? And the Z typically plays off on the tight end side. Now, the slot receiver will play in between. It can be on, it can be slot left in between the X and the tackle, or he can be in between the tight end and the Z playing slot that way on a three-by set. All of that gets way too... It took me too long to explain that, and most of it doesn't even matter. But you will get people who try to dunk on you with the terminology, and it's pointless, right? The easiest way to describe it is is: you're one, your two, you're three when you're calling out from the defense's perspective. Go ahead, Jake. Am I crazy
3: that I've seen some um, terminology that the third receiver, the slot receiver, is categorized as a Y receiver? Or is that typically the Y is always designated to a tight end or –
2: I shouldn't say always.
3: I know that these are very subjective or whatever. Right?
2: Why? But... Why is always your tight? Is always your tight end? Why is the traditional tight end that's typically attached? You'll hear Y flex. You guys can see this, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is your Y right here, right? This is a twelve personnel. This is just twelve balance ace set. Okay, A single back. You got your, you know, your one running back. This would be ace twelve. One running back, two tight ends. You see the Y. You see the U, right? The X would be opposite. The Y, in my opinion. Now, you could say this could be the X2. He's on the line of scrimmage, right? Both receivers are on the line of scrimmage and they're both opposite of tight end. That's where I would go predominantly to. The Y should be Luke Musgrave because he's your number one tight end. That's how I would call this out. Now, to answer your question, um, when you say it could a receiver be Y, this is Y flex. He's still the tight end. He's still Y, okay? But he's flexed out now in a receiving position, but you still refer to him as the Y. In no way, would you call out either of these guys as the Y because they're not tight ends? Y is predominantly, it's been like that traditionally throughout the course of the history of football. You actually hear on the opener, you hear Lombardi talk about it. The Y end you take, you know, you go around the edge. If the backer breaks in, then you cut all the way around. Like he's referring to the Y end. That's what they were referred to on the blackboard back then. And and it used to be split ends. And now some of that terminology has shifted. It was flanker and split end, right? And you had, Wide receiver, and then you have flanker, all right? Flanker typically was the Z, and X would have been your wide split, but all of that, none of that really matters that much. I wanted to draw this up real quick, okay? We, we talked about the outs and the digs that he talked about. He also talked about prioritizing halfback and wide receiver screens, right? And then he said, guys, you see me light up. I think I even screamed preach and embarrassed myself. But <laughs> when he said 11 per- – I said, what would you do, Mike? You're the OC. What are you changing about this offense? He said, let's get good at one thing, one, one personnel, right? And he said, He said, spread it out. I said, 11. He said, yes. All right, so here's what we're talking about with 11. In this set here, this is 12 personnel. You got two tight ends, right? So with 11 personnel – We're going to turn this U, right, and we're going to turn him into a slot receiver, okay? So now you've got a slot, right? So now you're in 11 personnel. You notice they're in a 4-3 defense, right? I just did a 4-3 base. you got a Mike, a Will, and a Sam, right? Now, in some cases, people eliminate the Mike altogether, and they just go, Will, Sam, we'll do that in this case. So we need to turn this guy into a cornerback, right? So we're going to flash him as a corner, all right? So now the corner is out here on the slot, right? So now you've got your Sam backer, which is your strong your strong side backer, right? And you've got your Will, which would be your weak side backer. Now, some would say, no, eliminate the Will and let's just – or eliminate the Sam, call this guy the Will and call this the Mike. Let's don't get caught up too much in the, into that. Different coaching staffs approach that in different ways, all right? So this is what Mike's talking about. Right here, when you've got this set – well, first of all, if I go back to the U, let me do this real quick. I want to show you guys this. So when, you've, when you're in this set and you're in these tight, condensed sets, right, What happens is this is a linebacker, right? This would be the mic, okay? So your mic is going to be in here. Your will would be over the U, right? Look, Look how you got seven guys in the box, right? Now, here's where it gets even more convoluted. You know the nasty splits we're talking about? Let's bring these guys in. Now you've got a corner that's somewhat in the run fit, and you get a team with aggressive corners, right? Now look how convoluted all this gets. Now, what this allows what this allows to happen is this safety to creep up, right? Look at how many people you got in the box now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, borderline nine, ten with the corners with these nasty splits. By nasty splits, that's a split that uh McVeigh made really, really popular when he took over the Rams, where you're inside the numbers. And this isn't a good. Uh, a good scale of how close the numbers actually are to the boundary. This is just an easy setup, but that means inside the numbers, that's called a nasty split. If they were out here on the boundary, real close to the line, that's referred to a Baylor split and closer to the numbers is just a normal split. All right. So when you do this, you see how convoluted it gets. This is what Mike's talking about. All right. Let's bring these guys out here, the Z, the X, right? So these corners are got to get out here on the boundary, right? So you're spreading things out a bit. All right, let's take this and turn him into a wide receiver, a slot receiver, right? Bang, he's out here. Now they've got a substitute. You can't be having Preston Smith out here on a wide receiver, right? We all agree, right? <laughs> so you're going to bring him out, right? So now you got a corner. Not only did you get, get weaker on their personnel by replacing a linebacker with a corner when you're talking about from the run game, but now he's even split out here wide with these wide splits, okay? Now we flex the Y out. Guess what happens? The Sam or the Will is out here, right? So now look at the box now. And here's the other thing, too. When you've got a two-by set, probably going to see more of this. It may not be a traditional two-high, but you may have something like this, right? This guy playing over-the-top technique, which I doubt it with a Sam, you're probably going to have the safety, would probably be back here covering deep, right? Helping the Sam. And the Sam will kind of play things on the hook zone side, right? So with that being said, let me show you exactly what Mike's talking about here. Let me get that off of there look like John Madden over here, Donna drawing up odd sets. All right. So you got the Sam out here and this is Luke Musgrave. That's where the decisions got to be made. What I was telling you about Tim. Now you're spread out here, right? You got to decide, can that Sam or will or Mike cover Luke Musgrave? The answer is probably no. So there's a chance that switches to a corner. Let's play it in a Sam situation here. Look at the box. Now you've got a five man box down here in the middle, right? Which is basically a hat on a hat. I mean, this is really, really simple, guys. Bang, right? Bang, bang. You could probably even double that D tackle to the mic, and now you're a hat on a hat. And look how this opens up. Anywhere mid zone, right? That's that's what Mike was talking about when he was talking. That was another thing he said was prioritize mid zone, both strong and weak, right? Get back to that. The fundamentals. Work your mid zone RPO. What does that mean? Think about these guys right here as I get some of this off off the screen here. Thinking about an RPO look, because what's going to happen when you start to run the ball, these guys are going to creep a little bit, and they're probably going to go to some kind of zone defense, right? They're going to start moving around a bit. And this guy's going to look to help with the run fit, maybe the, the right end now shades. Let's say he shades over to a, uh, a four-eye look, right, and allow the Sam to get in here and kind of play this run fit a little bit. As you do that, now you fire the RPO. With the RPO, it's real simple. It's going to be a zone mid-run to the right, Everybody on this side thinks it's a run. They're going to treat it like it's a run, right? And then you're going to have some RPO peak action on this backside, right? So essentially, the ball is snap, run pass option. Jordan has the opportunity to fire that. So when he comes out of the huddle, what he's looking at immediately, or when the ball snap, he's, you know, with his drop back, he's looking here is where he's looking at that Sam. If that Sam fires on the run, then you're going to fire that looky, what we call a looky there with the slant. That's an RPO look. Another look, too, it's going to be hard to clear all this off. I probably won't do it all, but you got a bubble action here, too. Imagine a bubble screen, and out here, you've got a lead blocker, right? So now what it means is this safety has got to come up and play that, right? You start showing those RPO looks, and watch this Sam start to work back out here, and now you've got your hat count back. That's what Mike's talking about. I don't know if that makes sense or not, guys. But essentially, that's what he's saying with when you spread things out, you can't do that from the condensed sets, right? Um, Now, did the condensed sets work? Absolutely, they worked. And we milked them for all they were worth, right? Um, But now what you're having is imagine the other day, you guys seen the play, I'm sure, that I broke down, where Dontavian Wicks' responsibility was to crack down on a 285-pound defensive end. That was his responsibility. And they're wondering why that Christian Watson sweep got completely cut off out of the pony package, right? Just crazy. And another thing I'd like to see is more jet motion from under center as opposed to shotgun. So, um, does any of that make sense? Yeah, it did actually. All
0: right. Especially, All right, especially with the uh, the X's and O's helps too to actually see that. It does, you right. know, I love it.
2: And and there's a number of different ways they can counter that, right? But every time they counterpunch with something, something else will open up on the field. But when you're in condensed sets, I mean, imagine all of that traffic that Jordan Love had to had to, you know, kind of filter through when he ran the blind play action and hammered the dig. He had snap the ball, completely turn his back, fake the handoff. As he's turning back around, you're seeing the sift come across. Right. (laughs) And now you're trying to locate the mock. He locates the mock. Right. And then as he locates the mic, and even in a shotgun set, you got to fake the handoff. You come up, all this stuff's moving, right? And then you come up, and you're reading the mic. You're reading this. You you, you could tell he moved on from the mic, from the the opposite end camera angle where you could see his eyes. He went off of the mic really, really quick, went to the other backer, and never went back to the mic. And if he had gone back to the mic, he would have seen, oh, crap, this thing's busted, right? Uh, But anyway. That's kind of how I see it. I, I feel like that is what uh, Mike was talking about. And Emilio here in the chat said, uh, spread it and run it. I'm telling you, man, you you do an ace spread like that with a five-man box and watch those offensive linemen start licking their lips, dude. I'm telling you. Because you, you run duo out of that, holy cow. Double-double right in the middle of the field and put people on their keister. That's what offensive linemen are wanting right out of the gate, not six straight pass plays. Because essentially what you're doing on pass plays, you ask any offensive lineman on a pass set I mean they're they're holding off for dear life. you're getting punched on a pass play as an offensive lineman on a running play it's like all right let's let's fire off the ball we get to hit them back now yeah, I don't know man I'm surprised that the offensive line hasn't complained with the play calling to be honest with you that's one thing I can say about coach Buckus that offensive line they're keeping their mouth shut and they're just trying to trying to fight trying to dig right but uh yeah. What else you got, Jacob? You got anything on your mind, buddy? Honestly, no. I mean, I I
3: I don't know. I'm I'm this has just been a weird uh weird bye week where it seems like the drama and the blame. It was it, it feels like that uh that episode of The Office where the murder where Andy and Pam and Michael are all <laughs> holding each other all at a triple gunpoint. Yeah, and they're all trying
4: to down.
3: They're all trying to. I feel like that's Goody, LaFleur, and Joe Barry right now. And everybody's trying to like kind of figure out like <laughs> who's to blame. All right. Who's the one that's gonna flinch first? Um yeah. and it's been weird because the fan base too, it's like we we've talked about how we we, we all thought that this was gonna we knew this was gonna happen. When mm-hmm. we made these these different releasings and signings and trades and blah blah blah. We knew that we had the youngest team going in into the um and in, in the NFL total, period. And now we're all sitting here like, oh, like he should be fired, he should be cut, he should be. It's
2: like, dude, right, right.
3: I really do think that right now we all need to take a step back, take a deep breath, look at ourselves in the mirror, and just be like, hey, stop it, stop it. Right. Yeah. Like, say,
2: date Mike. Nice to meet you. We,
3: and like we've talked about, we could be four and one, five and one. We could be one and five, one and four. It, there's really to be where we are, and the fact that we, I think we know what we need to fix. It's not like that everything is a dumpster fire. Right. Well, we've got to get love's got to be more accurate, and more consistent, and the defense has to be more more consistent. You know what I mean? That's pretty much, and we got to just get healthy. It's not like a mystery as to why we're, you know, having up and down performances. I will say, though, what did I write this down yesterday? We got to figure something out now. We've been outscored 54 to three in the first half, the last three games. That's, hey, that's we get, are,
2: you, are you complaining about the opening ideas? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's mm-hmm. the, the fact, fact you- that there
0: are no opening ideas. Yeah, I, say,
3: yeah. I can fact, script. I can script that well.
2: <laughs> Let's break out the old Madden Play Creator over here, boys. We can do this. <laughs> now nah, it's uh, we're making it sound way easier than it is. But these are the things that that Mike was was talking about for sure. Um, like Goose says in the chat, the thing in my mind is: has any offensive player consistently progressed? Since Matt LaFleur got here, can they actually develop players? Now, listen, some people can just take it on the surface, and go, oh, of course they have. Think about it. let well, seriously think about this. And this is what Mike was saying, right? If you're not spending time developing players, right? What player has progressed? Let's let's start. Since Matt LaFleur got here in 2019, what player on this offense has progressed? Think about it, seriously. Who's gotten better on this offense? It's tough. You know we got a lot of young players. I Think we would all agree, right? But let's just let's start let's start last year and work our way back. From last year, who have we seen progress from last year? Has Christian Watson progressed? I don't think he has. Zach Tom.
0: Zach Tom would be the I Zach think the Tom has. I think
2: that's, that's, a one. that's the
3: only one you could say. Uh, went back. Myers went back. Allen Jenkins. Jenkins went back. Obviously, Bach went yeah. back. You could even look at guys like yeah, yeah. I I would say Dobbs definitely went back, too.
2: And I don't want it to be the case, but the truth hurts, man. (laughs) Like Obviously, Dylan went
3: backwards. Jones can't stay healthy.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul Robertson said the same thing there. Um, uh, I'd say Zach Tom. So out of 11 starters and a multitude of backup players, we've had one player progress. Um, And it's an
0: uh, offensive lineman.
2: Yeah, right, right. Uh, And a team with a
0: bad offensive line figure that out
2: it's crazy crazy man let's we'll see I'm,
0: here. I won't say a bad offensive offensive line I'll say an underperforming underwhelming offensive line I think this this old line group could be really really good if they uh they got it together
2: yeah TL Milner in the chat says Clayton as a shareholder I'm calling Mark and Goody tomorrow and would demand they appoint you as the new play caller lol don't you put that on me Ricky Bobby <laughs> I you put me out there calling plays, like my old high school coach said, it's like pissing in the wind. That that never works out, boys. <laughs> as you and you you guys, I'm sure have experienced. But um, again, man, it, it's so easy. Just like Mike said, some of the coaches do right. Let draw it up on the board; it should work. It's easy to do that, but getting everyone to play in unison, right, and play together. Um, I hate to keep going back to it because I know it's it's such a hot-button topic, and I know a lot of people don't like him, but uh, Mike even came to the conclusion, too. He's like, I think we're starting to see just how much Aaron Rodgers kind of held this thing together. And, uh, you know, I think we're starting to understand why he kind of wanted out there at the end, too. Now, it's obvious Goody wanted out as well, right? Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's just tough, man, because I was one of those people that kind of you look back and you go, even beforehand, like, I, if you had told me in 2019 Aaron Rodgers should have more say in the front office, i go, shut up. No, he needs to shut up and play. But then you've got to lower your ego. And I heard Peyton Manning talk about – people talk about Peyton Manning and the pull he had, right? Tom Brady left New England because of it. And I think Tom Brady's been proven right. He goes on to Tampa, wins the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's about to get fired in New England, right? And it's all because he was taking less money and – not necessarily a pay cut, but the structure of his contract so they could free up cap room to bring other people in. They were still staying 10 and 15 million under the cap and it ticked Brady off. Like, hey, we could, I should have a little more say in this. So me as a fan, there's no way that I have the right to sit here and say, no, they shouldn't have any say when Peyton Manning is one that said, Hey, yes, I'm gonna have say in this. Like he he cut people from the practice field. Peyton Manning cut people on the spot. Hey, get them out. I'm done with him. I don't want to see him back out here. And and literally, they're like, okay. And you can say, okay, that's extreme. That's not right. Well, it got him a Super Bowl, right? And then what did they say? Peyton's washed up. He goes to Denver and wins another one, right? <laughs> and, oh, by the way, broke some kind of passing record. It was it touchdown passes or something. Like, that's- so yeah. that's – I had to step back. Me as a as a Packer fan, Clayton as a Packer fan, I had to step back and go, okay. I think I was wrong with that. Maybe Rogers should have had some say. And immediately people say, no, he got his players. He wanted guys. They signed Randall Cobb. That's who they got. Him. He wanted OBJ. Right. And immediately people said, no, OBJ wanted to play in LA. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow, but you find out later they offered OBJ a minimum contract. Like he wanted Jordy Nelson back. They offered Jordy a minimum contract. And, and, Immediately people point to, well, it was the right decision. Jordy didn't do anything in Oakland, right? You can look at it that way, but are you telling me that Jordy would would have performed at the same exact level with the chemistry you have with Aaron here? Like, there's a lot of stuff that I think everybody is at fault. I really do. I believe that. But I tend to side with Aaron because we're having to take our medicine now. I think think it's safe to say he was right, you know? And it doesn't mean we're going to stop being Packer fans. It doesn't mean everything's got to be doom and gloom but you learn from your mistakes and uh, you do the best you can with what you got moving forward, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. So um, let's see here real quick in the chat. Um, Let's see what Paul said on Pat McAfee today. Rogers was talking about Alpha. Oh, I heard this. I heard this, Paul. I know exactly where you're going with it. He was talking about Alpha coaches that should fight in a ring on the show. The floor was never mentioned. They basically, Pat brought it up about Robert Sala, you know, Robert Sala, Robert Sala's a dog, man. I'm sorry, he is. Uh, He he talked about uh, him being an alpha coach and how that's important. And you could just tell he was taking a little bit of a shot at Coach LaFleur. That stuff's important. For you to have control over the locker room, Jacob, you've got to have somebody that's going to get their attention. You know they mean freaking business, you know? I mean, I I think we're lacking that right here. I really do, man. It sucks. But... um, yeah, when he was talking about that though, that was that was very, very interesting. And uh did you see what uh what Salah said to uh um God, who is it? Uh the coach in Denver, we're getting ready to face Sean Payton when he shook his hand. Did y'all hear about that?
0: No, yeah, he told him to stay humble.
2: Yeah, he shook his hand and said, Stay humble. Because remember, he was talking trash about about her, uh, you know, his boy uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Just wild man. I love the NFL. There's always stories like this, right? All it's right. what makes it great, but Anyway, didn't expect to go down uh, this – didn't didn't plan to go down this route here, but here we are. Let's see. Uh, Carly Ray said, I think Matt LaFleur needs to give him the freedom uh, to to suck and master the fundamentals. Great scheme and great play calling cannot compensate for lack of fundamentals. That's something that I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand, Carly, but that's the beautiful thing about lowering ego and being able to reach out to people like Mike. They understand it. And he sees the fundamentals like, God, this thing's a mess, right? So you almost got to start start over at square one. I think we got a lot of pieces to work with. Yeah. And keep in mind, we could we could be four and one, Tim. Like seriously, yeah. that's yeah. that's what's wild. But
0: that's right, and we could still go on a on a winning streak. You know, lots of football left. Lots of yeah. football left. But you know, fundamentals. <laughs> it's crazy. We're talking about fundamentals at the the highest level of. Of football you know and I think maybe that's a double-edged sword uh, I think young players can get to this stage of their career they can get to the league and start to slack off in certain areas maybe and maybe not take drills as seriously as they used to because they feel like hey I'm here I'm happy to be here now I get to go out on Sunday and and do my thing and I'm forgetting about the little extra nuances to the game that you know if you don't use them you lose them so right. You know, I, I don't know. It, like you said, it's not one thing, but this is certainly something that is uh, a considering factor when we look at some of the struggles this team has had. But it's not too late to turn it around. I fully believe it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Goose in the chat said it's OK to criticize something you love and support. Nothing wrong with being real. Yeah. Uh, I don't want it to turn into doom and gloom for sure. But if you see it, you got to say it. And when a former NFL player played 11 years in the league, mentions it, we we better be talking about it, right? Uh Goose yep. also says, so who do we want to be coaching in May for us next year? Man, I love stirring the pot. Oh, man, Goose. <laughs> Let's well, get that off the screen. I, don't know I vote for Clayton. Oh, God, no, God. <laughs> telling you, hey, think about that. Think about the pressure that goes into it, Jacob, preparing for a game. You know what I always think about? I think about the kickers. Everybody's ah, we need a kicker. This guy's garbage. Could you imagine lining up with the game on the line? and you trying to kick game-winning field goal. You know how – Jacob, you know how nervous you are sitting on your couch, bro. I'm the same way. Like, well, hey, look, it's just – straight straight.
0: They just iced the, the rookie kicker in San Francisco, and he blew it.
2: Yeah, Moody. So, and yeah. how about that? To the best of my knowledge, Anders Carlson is outperforming Jake Moody. Yep, yep. That's pretty yep. wild. Hey, Rich Bisacci and Goody. Nice job. Good job. Great job. Great job. Make him a captain. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Rotator.
2: Oh, man. All right. Let's get out of here. Jacob, parting thoughts. Dude. I appreciate you jumping on here. I know you had a busy day.
3: Yeah, no. Um, It's funny when you talked about dude, the nerves. No joke, man. Uh, not that anybody gives a crap, but when I was in high school, I was a long snapper. And All right. the first time I ever went to long snap, I was a sophomore uh, that happened to make varsity. <laughs> I snapped that ball 30 yards past the punter over his head almost made a field goal and our field goal over the back. I mean, it was <laughs> – I was so jacked up. I was so nervous. I was like, whoosh. I never got to snap a ball again.
2: <laughs> funny because when I played uh, – let me take you back to my glory days here. Um, when I played high school ball, I actually started a couple games for the varsity high school team when I was in eighth grade. And Coach put me out there. Coach Morris put me out there in the middle of the great Southern shootout was a tournament down here in Morristown, Tennessee. We drove across the mountain, spent a couple of days over there playing ball. And he put me in the game and uh, hit a double and got to second. And then I I can't remember what happened. You know, somebody got out into the inning. I come in and they were all laughing in the dugout. And I'm like, what are y'all laughing about? And they said, you should have heard what Morris said about you. I can't repeat it on here, but he just made a joke about how nervous I must have been. And it, it involved a nail and Vaseline. I'll just say that. (laughs) He said, I'll just say it. He said, I bet you couldn't drive a nail up his rear end with a jar of Vaseline. (laughs) And he was right. I was on second base going, the hell am I doing out here with these guys? (laughs) But yeah, I, 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 have a lot of respect for, you know, like I said, those coaches, man, they don't get much sleep either. So it's not, I'm not sitting there trying to say it's an easy job. Those dudes, they're definitely putting in more time than the players. That's, that's a fact. Now, Obviously, they're not putting – I don't know if putting their life on the lines, you know, going too extreme, but, you know, putting their body on the line week in and week out, you know, that's that's a whole different ball game there too, man. Thinking about pump returning, we got so mad at Amari Rogers, but could you imagine that's staring true. into the sky while yeah. 10 guys are bearing down on you? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'd rather sit here on the couch and complain about it. So <laughs> Just thinking,
3: Clayton, Clayton was clinched so tight. If you were to stick a lump of coal up his butt
0: in two weeks, you'd get a diamond.
1: <laughs> exactly, Tim.
2: What do you got, dude? Party thoughts?
0: Um, nothing. I just want to give a shout out to my wife and thank her for the the goodies and the gifts that I got. Looked you uh, up that
2: Bart Star statue, bro. You oh, man, did you see that? dude! You got, I show, got show show Jacob the fence. He didn't see it real wow. quick. Before we wrap up, I didn't see it.
0: look at
2: piece of Lambo. Oh,
0: that's awesome! That's awesome. COA. Coa, we're good. It's oh, legit. Wow.
3: Yeah, that, it's got to go up right behind you, then, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, we'll probably yeah, uh, be
2: perfect back there. Yeah,
0: yeah, man. There you go. Look at that. Keep it moving. So, thank you, Mrs. Green. Appreciate the the gifts.
2: Thank nice. you. I'm gonna get me a, a custom McFarland figure of Goose to put back here on the wall. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, get it, gotta get it made. What would Goose, a statue of Goose, what would he be doing, Jacob? What would he be doing?
3: 12
0: ounce <laughs> curls,
3: doing, have just his face and uh, and his. Remember the old school goose where he would just sit there and he wouldn't talk. He'd just see his self. Yeah. Barely it was like, light on.
2: <laughs> it looked like he was in a random apartment building in Afghanistan or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and again, it would, you see the image and it'd go away. Just laughing. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here, guys. We have t- just talking nonsense now for the last 10 minutes. So I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out in the chat with us. You guys are absolutely awesome. Y'all showed up big time. Carly Ray Emilio. Thank y'all for calling in. That was a great conversation there too. Goose here, uh, says, uh, <laughs> silence speaks a thousand words. You're making my head hurt, Goose. I don't even, I can't keep up with you, man. So we're out of here. Thank y'all again. Uh, go check out that interview with Mike Wallman. There's some real good stuff in there. Just ignore me talking and listen to everything that man has to say. It is phenomenal. Great information for those of you listening on the pod. Thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go back up.
0: The power sweep actually is the it's the lead play in our in our offense. You come to tackle
1: you take the defensive end if he's open. If he's not, he
2: down the first man who's inside. You pull back and him. Take the man outside. No one goes. Go right by this and
3: seal inside. the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play. What we're we'll trying to get is a seal here and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.